0: So we're moving through the desert with the people of Israel, through the wilderness. And we've been following the people of Israel. We've been following Moses. We've been talking about kind of what's going on with their relationship with God. And also uh, Moses as a leader, some of the challenges that he's had. And what we've tried to do every weekend is we've tried to say, okay, so how does that apply to our lives? What difference does it make that we have this information about Something that took place in the Old Testament. Sure, it'll help us understand the Bible more. We'll have Bible knowledge. We'll understand a little bit more maybe about how the, what's going on in the New Testament as we tried to share. But what difference does it make in our own lives? So that's kind of what we've been doing. And it seems like every week I say this, every weekend. It seems like I say we're coming to uh, one of those quintessential, these, these main passages of Scripture and we're here again because we're talking about Moses and the Ten Commandments. And many pastors, I, I'm one of them, have done a series on just the Ten Commandments and take a week on each of uh, weekend on each of the Ten Commandments and gone through them. We're not going to do that. We're just kind of do a, a flyby and overview tonight because I want to I want you to see something that's that's above or beyond in the purpose of the law. So we're going to look at that this weekend. Um, it's been about three months since the people of israel have left egypt and they've been in the wilderness and god they have been been wandering aimlessly god has been leading them every step of the way with a cloud a pillar of fire and a cloud and so god has led them every step of the way god has provided for them he's protected them he's been there for them uh So Moses is going to get the law. Now let me just say one quick thing, a couple quick things about the law. When you hear the word, when you say the law, many of you think, oh, the Ten Commandments. And certainly the law, that word law is used of the Ten Commandments. Also, the law is used of the whole Old Testament. Like, you Jesus will talk about the law and the prophets, meaning from the beginning to the end. And the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. Five is Pentateuch, you know, five, it, you know, means Pentateuch or five books, five writings. And so uh, you have the, the five, first five books of the Bible are called the law. So um, just c- common things that we're talking about. But specifically this weekend, we're going to look at the Ten Commandments and what's beyond, uh, behind the Ten Commandments. Uh, By the way, Moses is going to meet God on Mount Sinai where God gives him the law. It's the same mountain that Moses uh, saw the burning bush. And God said, go into Egypt. And and Moses says, well, what will be a sign that you're with me? He says, I'll bring you back here. I'll bring you back here. And so this weekend we're going to look at how God, you know, brings him back to Mount Sinai and gives him the law and for the people. So I want to ask you a question uh, first. This is one where you raise your hand. The next one won't be. But here's the first one. The first question I want to ask you is How many of you think that living life in obedience to the Ten Commandments is is not a bad thing? It's a pretty good thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the second question you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? (laughs) Now, don't cheat. You know, I know what's on the sheet because I, I I wrote it this weekend. So I know that they're there and I know that you probably looked at them and say, well, I think I know them now. And OK, I get that. So my next question is this one. How do you live your life according to the Ten Commandments? If you don't know the Ten Commandments, right? So uh, no worries this weekend. We're going to do a refresher course on the Ten Commandments. We're going to talk a little bit about them. But uh, we're going to dive into the the Ten Commandments. Uh, You can turn in your uh, Bibles to Exodus chapter twenty. Exodus Exodus chapter twenty. That's where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. I just kind of want to walk through them one by one, and I have them listed. Uh, Notice I have four, and then six, and and that's on purpose because I want you to see that they're they're different. I mean they're. There, there's a different purpose for those commandments. The relationship is different. But let's just walk down through those. So uh, the first commandment is you shall have no other gods, no other gods. So there is only one God and uh, there is only one God that we are to worship. And we, you know, one of the cries of Israel was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So there is only one God that we wor- worship. Secondly, we shall not make or bow down to an idol. Now, most of us would say, well, listen, I don't have a lot of idols laying around the house, so that's not a big one. It's not a problem. And I've talked a lot about idols in the past. We're not going to go there today. Only to say is an idol is anything that you rely on other than God. Something or someone that you rely on more than God. Number three, you shall not misuse the Lord's name. And so that would mean, you know, taking the name of the Lord in vain, cursing, uh, different things like that. And you can, go, you can go to extremes on that, but essentially what it means is you honor the Lord's name. And then number four, and I have that uh, on the left side of your paper, uh, um, keep the Sabbath holy. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, so just set that aside. So the sixth commandment, 6 through 10 really deal with our relationship with one another. And we'll talk more about the relationships. But I just want to state them so that we know what they are. The, first, the, the sixth commandment is do not murder. So some translations, like the old King James translation, had a do not kill. And that's actually not a good translation of the, the Hebrew. Uh, the Hebrew is very clear. It's murder. And there's a difference between murder and killing, right? So, again, like I said, pastors do a whole series on these. I'm just listing them and talking very briefly about them because I want to get behind the purpose of them. Number seven is do not commit adultery. It's pretty clear. Um, I think in our day and age, that's pretty much gone out the window. Uh, the At least the, the societal pressure to, to not do it, <laughs> or at least least blush or be ashamed of it, has gone out the window. Um, Do not steal, right? That's number eight. Number nine is do not lie about your neighbors. Now, we could take time and talk about that, uh, but what that's talking about is gossiping. That's talking about slandering. By the way, that's talking about passing on uh, truths that you're not sure about. So on the internet today, that's happening a lot. I would suggest that a lot of the political ads you see on television are pretty close to that right now because I'm hearing stuff and it seems like this person ought to be in jail. What are they doing running for office? And some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, that's kind of the way it works (laughs) now. But my point is this. Um, When we, we say... And notice how I wrote it, do not lie about your neighbor, and that's the, that's the sense of what it's saying. It's not just don't lie, it's don't lie about your neighbor. It's about saying things that aren't true, or saying things that you're not sure are true, and, and, and destroying their reputation. And the uh, last one is pretty clear, do not covet. And the Bible talks about greed leads to covetousness. When we get greedy, we begin to co- become covetous. We, we it leads to covetousness so now there are some people so those are the 10 so you, your your assignment for next weekend is to memorize the 10 commandments all right 10 of them all right so there's your assignment all right and some of you are here saying wait i didn't know we were going to get homework well yeah there's always homework it's it just depends on whether you're going to allow the holy spirit to give you the homework but Uh, There's more coming on, so just hang on there. Uh, Now there's some who think the Ten Commandments are outdated, they're antiquated, they're ancient, they're for another time, another day. They were good for when they were needed, but they're not needed now. We don't need the Ten Commandments today. Let me read you a quote from someone who basically says something very similar to that. This is by Anna Levi uh, Lyons. She's a Unitarian Universalist minister in New York City. Here's what she says. We no longer rely on the religious traditions for answers to life's big questions. We no longer feel like we need the Ten Commandments or any other commandments in order to live an ethical life. We don't like being boxed in. We don't like being labeled. And we definitely don't like being commanded. Now, I will. I just stop. I want to stop and just analyze that for a minute. So essentially, what she's saying is, we don't need the Ten Commandments today. We don't like being commanded. We don't like being boxed in. We don't like being told what to do. We can decide for ourselves what's right or wrong. So let's just throw out the first four. Let's throw out the whole relationship with God thing. All right, we'll just throw that out for a minute, and let's just take our relationship for one with one another. So that's 5 through 10, right? So let me list them one more time. Honor your mother and father or honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't gossip or lie about your neighbor and don't covet. What's wrong with those? I mean, seriously, which one of those would you say, oh, we, we don't need that anymore. I feel like I should be able to steal. I feel like I should be able to murder people. I feel like it's okay for me to go ahead and commit adultery. Maybe I ought to talk to the children. They may not think it's such a good idea. Um, You know, I think it's okay to to spread lies about your neighbor. I really think that's healthy and good. Um, I think coveting things and being greedy is a good thing. I mean, come on, for, for crying out loud, in my mind, as you look at those, what what are those commands, are they are really holding you back? I mean, seriously, if they're holding you back, you really look, ought to look at your life because this is about how you treat other people. And, and I thought that the idea of us, this new world, was that we were supposed to love one another and and be good to one another and nice to one another and all that's all those five through ten are just treat each other decently so i don't get the whole point that she's making uh, about uh, we're in a better time and we don't need to be restricted by these ten commandments now she had said the first four i get it you don't believe in god i get it that i get that but the, the last, the, the, the final six, I can't see how you, anyone would argue with those who's looking for a society where people are treating one another with decency and respect. There's my little, I'm going off a little bit, all right? All right, so here's what I want to spend the rest of the time with. I want to talk about, by the way, your notes, I turned these in earlier this week, so there's not four points, or six. I'll let you know where they're at. But I've added a couple. There's six things that we need to know about the Ten Commandments. Six things that you you may or may not know about the Ten Commandments, because there's a lot of things out there that we assume we know about. But there's some things that uh, are really you you may hopefully you leave today and you say, I didn't know that. I didn't under, I didn't really understand that about the Ten Commandments. So here they are. The first one is this: the Ten Commandments, and this is number one in your notes. The Ten Commandments were spoken before they were written. Uh, most people don't realize that that God spoke the Ten Commandments before they were written down on the tablets that He gave to Moses. Uh, look at Exodus. You don't. I don't have these verses in there, but you can write them down. In Exodus chapter nineteen, verse twenty-five, it says this. So Moses went down to the people, and essentially in Exodus chapter nineteen, what Moses is doing is. He goes up on the mountain and God says, okay, I'm going to speak to the people. There's going to be like fire and there's going to be just this manifestation of uh, I'm going to, my presence is going to be manifest. Tell the people stay away from the mountain, not to touch it. Tell the priests not to come up. Tell them just to stay away because they will be destroyed if they do that. Okay, so Moses got his commands and he's coming down. And verse 25, it says, so Moses went down to the people and told them, and God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first command. So he's speaking these verbally to the people. But if you go to verse 22 of Exodus 20, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites this, You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. I have spoken to you from heaven. If you go to Deuteronomy, and you can write this verse down, Deuteronomy 5, verse 3 and 4, it says this, It was not our ancestors that the Lord made made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face, out of the fire, on the mountain. So very clearly, the scripture says that God spoke verbally to the people, The commandments. These weren't just written down somewhere and on on tablets, but God spoke verbally these commandments. The second thing, and this is number two in your notes, the Ten Commandments are simply the first of the ten the first ten of six hundred and thirteen commands in the Old Testament. It's only the the first ten of six hundred and thirteen. Notice it says in Exodus 21.1, these are the laws that you are to set before them. Now, as you break down this uh, number, 613 commands, 248 are positive, telling you what you should do, and this is interesting, 365 are negative, telling you what you shouldn't do. So, somebody should come out for Christmas and have a Christmas calendar with all the things you shouldn 't do so today don 't do this today don 't do this today don 't do this, and so uh, we'll we 'll get into that we 'll talk more about that. Uh, some scholars divide the law when I talk about the law i 'm talking about the six hundred and thirteen, okay not the ten but the six hundred and thirteen between the ceremonial and the moral law the ceremonial law was basically. How should a sacrifice be brought? You know, how should you do the dress? And different things, specific things. They were, uh, they were cleanliness laws. They were part of the sacrificial system. The moral laws dealt with stealing, lying, and things like that. Okay? They were more practical in a sense of uh, our relationship with each other. Now, Christians believe, many Christians, most Christians believe, that we're no longer under the law today. Because Jesus fulfilled the law, at least they would say the sacrificial part of the law. Now, where do they get that? Where do do they get that idea that we're not under the law today? Well, they get it from Romans chapter 6. Paul says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. And then he says this because you are no longer under law, but under grace. You are no longer under law, but you are under grace. So, so that's another thing that most people don't understand. Number one, that God spoke the, the commandments before he wrote them. And then number two, that the first, the ten commandments are the first ten of 600 plus commandments number three and uh, this is one that i think is also in your notes and it's kind of why i laid the 10 commandments out the way i did the first 10 or the 10 commandments speak to our relationship with god and with others so you see the four on the left side of the page those are the ones that speak to our relationship to god at least the first three. The fourth one we'll have to talk about. And we'll talk about that in the next point. But the other six on the, the right side of your page. Those really deal with our relationship to one another. And so you may have noticed that, that the way I laid out the sheet. Um, as you'll see, Jesus summarized the commandments into two commandments. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the real question is, what role was it's one of the questions that I want to deal with. Is what role was the Sabbath? Because it's hard to understand. Does that really go with our relationship with God? Or is it, you know, where does that fit in? And uh, that's what I want to talk about next. But what I want you to see. And that's why I laid it out the way on your notes. Is that part of those. Part of the Ten Commandments. were dealing with how are we to relate to God? And then the other part was how are we to relate to one another? Because Remember. The nation of Israel right now is out in the wilderness. And so they have to figure out how they're going to treat one another. And they have to figure out how they're going to relate to God. What does that look like? Those two relationships, by the way, which are the same relationships that the New Testament reaffirms, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And by the way, priority-wise, our relationship with God is number one. Our relationship with others is number two. And each is affected by the other. If you are... In good relationship with God, your relationship with others will be better. If you're in a bad relationship with God, chances are your relationship with others is going to be pretty poor. Secondly, your relationship with one another will affect your relationship with God. What I mean by that is, uh, if, we, if we sin against our brothers, and if you are out there in the world and you are cheating and lying and being deceitful to other people, and then you come in and worship God, what do you think? God's thinking at that point really you little hypocrite you come and worship me and you treat you know those that are created in the image of God like dirt what are you doing why why are you doing that and so they're interrelated those relationships you can't separate them you can't, you can't pull them apart they work together and so it's really important to see that all right number four is one that you do not have in your notes. I'll read it twice if you want to write it down. All of the Ten Commandments are restated in the New Testament, except the Fourth Commandment. All of the Ten Commandments are restated in the New Testament. They're reaffirmed in the New Testament. Thou shalt not murder, covet, you know, uh, all all those different... they're, They're reaffirmed in the New Testament, except for number four, which is... Keep the Sabbath holy. Keep the Sabbath holy. So I want to talk about that just for a minute. What is the purpose of the fourth commandment? There's a lot of debate within Christianity today about what is the purpose of the Sabbath. I mean, this is not the Sabbath today, unless you're you know Seventh-day Adventist, and then today is the Sabbath because they believe Saturday is the Sabbath, like the Jewish uh, faith believes Saturday is the Sabbath. Christians hold to a Sunday Christians besides the Seventh-day Adventists, whatever you think about that group. But Christians would hold that Sunday would be the traditional Sabbath because of the resurrection of Jesus. And they see that as being the Sabbath day. All right. So, uh, the question is, um, what does it mean when 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 God says to the people to keep the Sabbath holy? Now, holy is one of those words that's hard to translate to English. It's hard to get a concept of it. It can mean weight. It can mean a lot of things. It's used of God often. But it just really means special or different or separate. So in the New Testament, uh, it's interesting. We don't have anything. In fact, I'm going to show you a verse in a minute that basically says don't be like real judgmental about how people treat the Sabbath day. I mean, if you're a Christian and you see another Christian and they do things different on the Sabbath than you do, don't get all high and mighty and judgmental about them. All right, we'll sh- I'll show you that in a minute. But what I want you to see is um, God meant the Sabbath. And this is really important to see. God meant the Sabbath to be a real blessing to his people. Now you say, well, how would the world would the Sabbath be a blessing? The Sabbath was meant to be a blessing because this was an agrarian society. These were farmers. These were people who had animals and they they farmed land. And so they basically had to grow crops. And if you know anything about being a farmer, you know that farmers don't get a day off, right? There's animals and there's all these different things they have to take over. And many times, farmers just work every day. They don't know what a day off is. What God was essentially saying to his people is, you need to take a day off. You need to have a day where you're you're not focusing on that where you stop and you remember there is there is life and there is a God who gives you life and and there is a day where you be... Now, here's the problem with that. When you are when you're driven and you've got a task because you got animals and you got land, you basically can fall behind. There's chores and, you know, I mean, if you know any farmers, their work is never done. There's always something to fix. There's always something to do. There's always, you know, an animal that's sick. There's always something going on. And what God says is this. He says, I need you to take a day off. You need to have a day of refreshing. You have a day where you can connect with me. You need a day like that. And what God is saying to his, to his people is, if you do this, I will make it up for you. I will make it up for you. You you won't lose if you do this. Because that's the fear. I'll fall behind. I'll lose. Here's what I found. I found this is a very interesting principle. Maybe you found it too. There are times where I'm behind. There are times when I need to get things done. And here's what I found. Every time when I stopped and I honored God. And I said, God, I need to stop and I need to honor you. Because I'm I'm in danger of just kind of going through this. And just not... What happens is this, the things that I need to get done all of a sudden get done quicker. They get done faster. The, 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 I, I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to explain it, but you know what I'm ta- some of you know what I'm talking about, where you have these things you have to do, and you've been trying to get it done, trying to get it done, trying to get it done, and sometimes you just need to rest, you need to step back, you need to say, God, I need to just be with you for a little bit. And you go back to it, and all of a sudden the problem solves itself. So maybe the person says, "Hey, you know I was thinking about i 've had times where i've had things, things happen where somebody calls me and says, "Oh, by the way, I need you I need to you know sit down with you and talk to, with you about this and i 've been trying for a while to do that, and all of a sudden it happens or it's just in multiple ways where God does it, and I think that's essentially what God is saying. See the Sabbath was never meant to be this restrictive thing like God is so you know." I need you to bow down to me today. You will bow down to me today and know that I'm God. No, it wasn't meant that way. It was meant to be. You need to take a rest. By the way, there was a Sabbath rest for the land and God said, you need to let the the land rest. It needs to rest. Give it a rest because when you do that, the land will be better for you. It'll be more productive for you. It'll be better for you if you... So just as the land needed rest, so do you. Take a rest. And so that's essentially what the 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 uh, sabbath was meant to be Uh, but what we tend to do is we take a blessing and we turn it into uh, a rule Uh, so we become very legalistic about it and you know churches have had rules like you know there's certain things you can do on the sabbath and there's certain things you shouldn't do on the sabbath and it's very restrictive and it just depends what church you go to and and all these formal things. But we take freedoms and we tur- turn them into to, uh, laws. It's interesting that the Sabbath isn't reaffirmed. In fact, the one thing that is said about the Sabbath. This is the verse I want you to just write down. I'll read it to you. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17. It says, therefore, it says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival. A new moon celebration. Or a Sabbath day these are a shadow of things that were to come the reality however is found in christ in other words he's saying if you're a follower of jesus christ another christian is doing something different on the sabbath don't get all freaked out about it don't get all legalistic about it don't pick up a stick and say you know you're violating the sabbath you know all right number five is also not in your notes and it may be the best point i have all weekend so i'm just saying okay number five jesus applied the ten commandments to real life the first thing he did is he expanded the ten commandments so you said it went from 10 to 613 and then jesus blew everybody's mind because he says you know the pharisees are pretty good at keeping the commandments i mean they pretty much kept track of every commandment and they wore the right thing and they did the right thing and they said the right thing But then Jesus comes along and Jesus says this. You have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. Yep, haven't done that, haven't done that. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, snap. Right? Right? And he says, you, you know, and then he goes on. He says, you've heard it said, don't, you know, kill. But anybody says to your brother, rack, are you fool? <laughs> so Jesus goes, like, further. He, he takes the law further than we ever dreamed. I mean, I didn't commit murder. or I didn't commit adultery. But, you know, it's like, whoa, wow. Jesus, you went so much further than the law. So he expanded the law. Secondly... He summarized the law. You see, Some of you are going, you know, you gave me this assignment to memorize the Ten Commandments. I don't know if I can get three or four of them. I'm not very good at memorizing. I never have been. Well, let me give you two. And here they are. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Do you see why I broke the Ten Commandments down in those two? Because it really deals with our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. That's what the Ten Commandments were all about. How do we relate to God and how do we relate to each other? And they are tied together. Your relationship to God affects your relationship to others. Your relationship to others affects your relationship to God. Jesus said that if you're going to bring a a sacrifice to the altar and you know you have something against your brother, before you come and worship me, straighten things out with them and then come and worship me. They're tied together. That's all Jesus was saying. So Jesus not only expanded the Ten Commandments, he summarized the Ten Commandments. And then number three... and this is all under point uh, point five, he fulfilled them. He fulfilled the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled the 613. He fulfilled the law. And notice what he says in uh, Matthew, this is Matthew 5, 17. Jesus says this, he had a high view of the law. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Now let me stop there and say something. Remember before when I mentioned, and I talked about the law, and I said the law means the Ten Commandments, and the 613 commands, it's all of that. But it's also the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are the five books of Moses that are called the law. It's like the bookend, the beginning of the Old Testament. What's the end of the Old Testament? The prophets. So Jesus is referring not just to the The beginning and the end, but he's everything in between. In other words, from the beginning to the end, he's saying. From the law to the prophets, Jesus is saying the totality of the Old Testament. By the way, what we know in this day of Jesus is the Old Testament books were determined. They were already settled. Everybody knew what the Old Testament books were. And we call that the canon. In other words, the Old Testament books, the 39 books of the Old Testament... We're already well understood. Everybody knew what the Old Testament was. And what Jesus is saying, the law and the prophets, he's saying the whole Testament. So understand that context when he says the following. He says this, do you think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? Have I come to abolish the Old Testament? He says, I have not to come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. There are people today who say, I just can't believe the Old Testament. I can't believe the stories, the miracles, all the problems, the issues in the Old Testament. They're just, they're they're beyond. I can't get over the miracles, the creation, the the Jonah and the great fish, uh, all these different things. I I can't, I can't, well, you better get on board with Jesus because Jesus is on board with all of these He's affirming these. He says, I haven't come to abolish them. I haven't come to say they're wrong. They're, they're, filled with, they're fraught with error. They're, they're filled with, with untruth. He, in fact, I'm putting my stamp of approval on them. I'm fulfilling them. It's one of the p- most powerful, strongest statements that Jesus could ever make about the Old Testament in so many ways. So he came to fulfill them. So he came to expand them. He summarized them. And he fulfilled them. So, number six is really number four in your notes. You have this one. The commandments were not given to save us. Uh, If you were to ask people on the street, Christian-ish people, and I think that's the word we should use nowadays for people who say they're Christians, they're Christian-ish, they're kind of Christian, they're kind of like, I grew up in a Christian home and They would say, they might mention, I try to keep the Ten Commandments as a way to be acceptable to God. The question is, why were the Ten Commandments given to us? Why were they given? Here's a few things you can write down. They were given to help the Hebrew people navigate their relationship with God and each other. And I mentioned that earlier. That they needed a way to respect one another and to relate to God. So that's why they were given. Number two To show us that we all fall short of God's glory and point us to Jesus. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. Notice what he says. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Now when it's talk about the law, remember it's talking about all these commands. Nevertheless, I would not have known sin... Uh, what, what sin was, had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covenant, covet. So, well, what Paul is saying is the, the law was meant to point us to our failure. Our need. I mean, you know, some of you, <laughs> there are things that you found out, and you go, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. Oh, now I do know it's wrong. You know, I mean, if... if a uh, I got pulled over uh, when I was in uh, confession. I'll make this real quick, okay? So, when I was out in Denver, I got pulled over. I was talking to my son. Carol was in the car. And it was a dark road on a mountain. And I was apparently going across the, he called it the fog line. And I said, I I don't know what that is. What's the fog line? I've never heard of it. He says, oh, it's the line on the, the right side of the road well I'd never heard that I, you know and he, he he just gave me a warning he said just just want to make sure you're all right and I said well it's an unfamiliar road it's very dark and I was involved in a conversation and you know so he let me go I, I didn't even know what a fog line was I didn't even know I was violating the law I mean you know we have fog in New York and we have fog in Iowa and I've never heard that expression but apparently I had violated something I had no idea what it was And uh, this is what the law does. The law says, this is coveting. Oh, okay. So it points me that I've done that, and I'm a covenanter. And uh, so now the law has pointed me. So if you go uh, Exodus 19, this is what it says. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, and this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on, notice this phrase, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep covenant, then out of, um, out of all the nations, you will be tre- my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak, the Israelites. So notice what God says, the order is really, really important. He doesn't say, God doesn't say, obey me and I will bring you out of Egypt. That's not what he says. He says, I brought you out of Egypt on wings of eagles. I brought you out. I saved you. Now obey me. He didn't say, obey me and then I'll I'll rescue you. And see, that's where we get the law mixed up. We think the law is there to save us. The law was never there to save us. God sent Jesus to save us. And the product of him saving us is we obey him. He doesn't say, if you obey the laws, I will save you. He says, I have saved you. Now obey the laws. So so God didn't give the law to save his people or to save us. He gave the law to change us into the people that we could be so that we could have an intimate relationship with him. Um, here's, Here's what it comes down to. And I'll close with this idea. I remember as a kid that there were times you come to a ride in an amusement park and stuff and they'd have this little, they'd have a the little line, right? And it was like, you have to be this tall to ride on this line, right? And I remember a couple times my brothers, I had two, two, two older brothers and they were tall enough to go on the ride and I wasn't. And I was like, I can't, I, I, why can't I go? Why can't I go? Because you're not tall enough. You don't measure up. And here's here's what it comes down to. What the law tells us is that none of us will measure up. None of us is tall enough. None of us is good of us. None of us is righteous. Enough. So that's what God knew and God sent Jesus Christ to come down to be tall enough to measure up. To take the, the penalty that we deserve. To keep the law perfectly which we couldn't. Um, he measured up. He took the punishment that we deserved. He fulfilled the law for us. We will never uh, we were, we will never obediently follow the Ten Commandments. We can't even remember them. How in the world are we supposed to follow them? And so, what God did was He sent Jesus, and Jesus came and died on the cross for us. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the life. He, he, he lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And He measured up for us. And the Bible says, "Whoever calls on Him shall be saved." So, let me close with this word. The Ten Commandments, the law was never given for you to measure up to or to be good enough and to be qualified to go into heaven. It was meant to be a tutor to show you that you needed a savior, that only someone from heaven could save you. Have you come to that understanding in your life? Have you called upon the Lord? If not, when? Let me lead you in a prayer right now. And Father, it may be that in this audience, or at Roshek campus, or online, that there are people listening to this message, and they always thought that they were going to try to be good enough, try to be acceptable enough to be saved, when in reality, that is an impossibility. They'll never measure up, and that's why Jesus came, to save us, to pay the price, to measure up, and he gave his life so that we could live. Father maybe there's someone here that says I don't know how to cross that line how do I do it and it's simply a prayer there's nothing special about the prayer but it is a it is an important prayer that uh, needs to be said to you and if you're here or listening and you want to pray this prayer let me just say it and if they reflect in your heart what you want to say then go ahead in your heart before God say these words dear Jesus Thank you for measuring up. Thank you for coming to earth to save me. Thank you for giving your life for me on the cross, for keeping the law perfectly on my account. Thank you that I was dying and I needed to be rescued, and you came and rescued me. You came and saved me. You measured up because I couldn't. You gave your life to me. Now, right now, in my heart, I give my life to you. And I ask you to lead and guide me and give you the steering wheel of my life. Please drive. Please take over my life. And Father, if anybody prayed that prayer, I pray that they might let somebody else know and ask them uh, how they can take the next step. For the rest of those that are here, that are listening, I pray, Father, that uh, you would speak into our hearts as to what is it that we need to hear from your Holy Spirit this weekend so that we could better walk with you and better walk with each other? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.